Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Treehouse, episode 23. The Charm of Dynamite, with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Very good morning to everybody. Here we go again uh, with another two hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity. I'd like, I like to think of the people who check the time on it. Uh, two hours, is it? <laughs> you know, one, one of these one day. days we'll deliver the bumper package. I used to, I'll tell you what I used to like. Uh, I, I, I was a good comic reader when I was a kid. Not, not you know, Batman and thing. you know, no, 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 no time for that. Buster and... I, I used to like comics, Bino. as in comics. Yeah, yeah, the Beano, the Hotspur, the Beezer was a big favourite of mine. And every summer for the summer holidays, they used to put out a summer special. Oh, it was to get sum- you through the holidays. Yeah, it's a, gl- a glossy cover, about three times as many pages. Man, did I enjoy that. I really did. We used to go to Norfolk Broads a lot and Liverpool Street Station... Oh. Down came the summer special oh, of the beat. Oh, it was oh. so good. Because a lot of the um, cast went on holiday in it too. And I hoped <laughs> to emulate their jokes. So, very good morning to everybody. And uh, uh, we're recording this on the 28th of February. Not that it makes any difference here in mm. cyberspace. Uh, which means tomorrow is the 29th. It's a free day. A whole free day. And so I thought there's plenty in that. And mm. you may have seen when I came in, my face was... Uh, uh, Curdled over with the what is it? Sickled over with the pale cast of thought, and uh, yes. because I thought there's going to be plenty there, mm. I'll get up early and I'll find out plenty of stuff about the old 29th. Well, I've never. It, it's not the sort of thing to lay on a lad with a morning head. Let me tell oh. you that it was really complicated. Because I thought I'd look at. Cal- I thought you know I know what I'll do. I'll come in with all this stuff about calendars, and everyone will think, oh, wow, it's so hard. It's so calendars are. are it's like looking up so, calculus. I think that is derived from the word. Calculus calendar. Do we even know who came up with the whole idea of the 29th? Oh, everybody has. Oh, okay. Everybody has. It's like, you know, coming up, uh, who invented the James Bond films and who's responded. That sort of, well, it's probably a bit heavier than that. But it was, I started looking at calendars and just go on Wikipedia, for example, mm. and look calendar. It's incredibly, no gags, very few gags. What you want is the concept of calendars, mm. you know, Started with a woman named Marion in, you know, Mesopotamia. I thought, no. It's, obviously, there was, again, nobody can lay claim. Stay with this, because the show perks up. Uh, but a couple of things I did glean. The old Iranian calendar, uh-huh. which sounds like a pub that should have been in... But the old <laughs> Iranian calendar... <laughs> uh, days had no names. 
Which, which oh. would come... No names. So what? <laughs> Yesterday just and the, tomorrow. Just, but uh, there's... Just numbers or...? Um, I don't know. I, could, I lost the will to live after a oh. while because it went off into, like, Zoastroan oh, okay. influence. And, but they had 360 days and uh, they had a 13th month every six years. <laughs> you see oh, what I mean? Man. You see what I mean? Oh, oh man! They had a, a, yeah, never mind leap day. They had leap month. Uh, wow. Uh, and and uh, I mentioned the Zoastroan, 650 to 330 BC, 12 months, 30 days, four days a month. Uh, some were, 12 days were dedicated to Ahuru Mazda, oh. who was their deity. Ahuru Mazda means Lord Wisdom, oh. which which he should have been. I don't think he even got knighted, did he? But anyway, Lord Wisdom. Seven after Amesha Spenta, a class of divine entities. Stay with it, it's, it's worth it. Thirteen days, named after fire, water, sun, the moon, souls of animals, Judge Rashnu. Favashu, who's the spirit of the unborn. Dina, and, and, and so on and so on. So I think, come on, give us, give us, throw us a bone here. So you get onto the Greeks. 354 days a year. Uh, they had an extra month added every three or two years alternately. <laughs> How did they let everyone know? <laughs> I... Whatever the equivalent of the you know Greek Daily Mirror was, people bought that. Oh, it's next year, but it looks like time is more trouble than it's worth. Yeah, all the way through. So it's making me feel like a hippie and feel like going, hey, let's be like that. I let's know. not well, be hidebound. No, no, I don't. I think, we, I, I think the way we live just now work is it out. one of the very few improvements on the old Greeks <laughs> is we, uh, the calendar doesn't. They're months. Hectombian, Metagutnian, Boedromian, Pinapsian. Come on, there's always excitement about when's Easter this year. That's <laughs> nice. I like that that moves. I used to think Christmas moved as well when I was a kid. Did when's you? Christmas this year? Did this you? the 25th of December, but Easter moves. No, Christmas stays the same, but Easter moves. That's a lovely Baffled thought. me. Baffled well, me. But the greatest month was Poseidon. Now, I like oh, that, a month called Poseidon. That's good. But when they had the extra month, you know what they called the extra month? And I mean this, Poseidon 2. <laughs> <laughs> it's back. <laughs> they called it Poseidon too. Uh, and, and, and then you got Poseidon your Poseidon Ro- harder. Then you got your Romans, three hundred and four days a year, but divided into ten months, beginning in March. You can see what I'm saying here. This may be one of the few shows we've done where I'm just going to lay in the corner with a, <laughs> a damp flannel on my forehead. So I, I gave up on the months. There was no point. No. So what can I tell us that'll lighten the load? Okay, here's, some, here's something. Anna Lee started the Shakers. It's her birthday on the 28th of February. The Shakers, yeah? Ooh, went off to, she broke off from the Quakers. I was going to say, is this furniture? Yes. Yes. She, she felt persecuted. I thought for a moment it was a, you know, no. 60s Californian band. No, Anna no. Lee. Uh, <laughs> she probably did. She's probably Arthur Lee's great-great-grandmother. Daddy Kelly's going, I'm just going to look. Uh, the, well, speaking of that, Anna Lee, who felt persecuted by the Quakers, right? Oh, so she deliberately called it... Uh, because, you're because not joking. She shake. No, the Shakers are known because they shake. They shake. So she said, I'm not happy being a Quaker, I'm going to make the Shakers. She was one of the, She went off to the States and founded them. She was born in Manchester, went off to the States and founded the I'm Shakers. Gonna, I'm but... going to found a religion called the Matlitz. Listen, nothing you can say is funnier than what I'm going to reveal now. When she left the Quakers to go to America to form the Shakers, there was a, a schism in the Quakers. Some people said, well, she's, I think she's quite, she's a bit right. And there was an argument and they formed the Quaker Shakers. <laughs> yes, they did. For a brief while, there was a, there were the Quakers, there were the Shakers. And they're the Quaker Shakers. Now, if they didn't... I'd more, joined them. I'd, I think they became the swinging blue jeans. I don't know. But they became the, 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 shaker, the shaker, shaker Quakers. The thing with the Shakers, 
there's only, well, at 2018, only three left. Oh. There's three left. How did they become known for furniture then? Because don't you get a shaker Oh, their stuff is unbelievable. A... Unbelievable. I mean, I've been to shaker shops, which is... No, I have. There used to be one opposite BBC London. The bit beautiful. Christmas was salted. The stuff in there was wonderful. <laughs> Only three are left. Uh, brother Arnold, Sister June and Brother Andrew. Oh. You know why? They forbid sex. As a sect, if you join them, ah. they, they do not have... There was, Slight issue. They don't have it. If you ever see the Ken Burns documentary about them, everyone, I don't know if you... Ken Burns made a wonderful thing. It's heartbreaking. And there were about 15 left when he made that, and they do the dance which gave them their name. It's wonderful. See, this is... A... We're going to start the show any second now. This is not necessarily... Do you uh, know who else I've realised have come to the end of their sect is the Clangers. What? Wilbur's big into the Clangers, right? Uh And there's no other Clangers. You've just got, you know, the grandmother, granny Clanger, major mother, and there aren't going to be any more Clangers because there's no way that they can create any more (laughs) Clangers. So the Shakers are the Clangers of the religious world. Because yes, there's because no way there aren't any other clangers. No, no clangers other, from other planets. No, the, there's on, the Iron Chicken. On the other side of the what a man! On the other side of the planet. Oh, the other side of the planet. I bet there's others. No. I've well, watched. We've watched every episode there is, my well, friend, and another clangor does not show. Well, as they say, uh, oh, there we are. As there's so much incest in that family, even the Iron Chicken's got a club foot. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> very w- welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, <laughs> by the way, when Anna Lee went to America to start mm. the Shakers, leaving behind both the Quakers and the Quaker Shakers. <laughs> Uh, her husband left her within two weeks of landing in America. One wonders why. But, uh, yeah, it's a terrible thing. But Well, that's probably when she went, so, rules yeah, here it for is. the Shakers. <laughs> I was Number one. one. Darling, I was wondering, we, we married three years ago. You know, I've never forgotten an anniversary. I've never forgot your birthday. And I was wondering tonight, what are you suggesting? Well, maybe, you know, we might tell you, how dare you? Go and be, be gone and join those foul Quaker Shakers. <laughs> we d- that's it. That's plenty of a beginning of the show. You've been good enough to get in touch. We've got our... Half a ton of emails. Uh, and what are we doing today, Peps? Number one, being locked in or locked out. That's always a good one. Number two, your misconceptions about famous people as a kid. Mm-hmm. And number three, notable beds you've laid on. My dad once, uh, when we uh, uh, were watching a Fry's Turkish Delight advert, watching oh. Fry's Turkish Delight. Uh, oh, yeah, Fry's Delight, exactly. And that, that was a tremendous ad. So uh, we're watching the Fry's Turkish Delight advert, and he must have been having a conversation with my mum about how much people get paid for the advert. Now, it wasn't Anita Harris, but it was a well-known chanteuse of the time, dressed up in the, uh, you know... the uh, Wafty. Yeah, the wafty mm. kind of um, uh, belly dancer stuff, mm. uh, the dance of the seven veils and all of that. Yeah. Fries, Turkish delight. Don't know who it was. It wasn't Clodagh Rogers. But my old man said, she would have got a fortune for doing this. I would have given it, because there would be a box of treasure there. Probably gave her that box, you know, just ironically, gave her that box of treasure and I, I took it literally. Oh! I did. I thought famous people when they did an advert. Although it's, it's pretty pretty sweet, let me tell you. But, but, but they, they were given the the, the the loot of the earth. Oh. Yeah. Uh, that was my... Yeah, what's it about it? So give a thank over there, Peps. And we've got some absolutely paramount emails and calls, and thank you for those. This from Steve prompted me to say... Men are stupid yes, before we started. And <laughs> the three in. men that work on this show to Cumbridge. By the end of this email, you will agree with uh, me. Harumph you almost you almost got I to. did. Mm. Your recent tale of workers crossing to France on the night ferry to enable late night drinking reminded me of a stag do. Uh, oh boy, here we go, okay. It was 
the early 80s and our okay. mate was getting married on Saturday afternoon. So, of course, his stag do was the night before. Mm-hmm. Come Friday evening, we set off for a pub call through the streets of Portsmouth oh. and swiftly topped up the groom with various spirits and beers. Mm. Unbeknownst to him, his best man having located his passport and a return ticket to Cherbourg with the help of our other mate, Dave, who worked in the ferry port. Mm-hmm. We poured the man of the moment onto the late night boat to France. Plan being, he'll arrive there at 6am, return sailing 7 or 8am, back in Blighty at lunchtime, plenty of time for his wedding at 3pm. Saturday afternoon, we duly arrived at the church, one or two of the chaps a little under the weather. Quite a blustery day and we took shelter in the church. 10 to 3, the best man arrives, a little agitated. He'd been looking for the groom for two hours. This being the days before the mobile phone, there was no way of contacting him. What we now knew, thanks to mate Dave of the ferry port, was a terrible gale in the English Channel had affected the groom's boat. Five to three, we were starting to wonder who would tell the bride and her father what we'd done. Slopey shoulders are plenty, when with seconds to spare, in raced the groom, looking rough and not best pleased. I see, uh, yeah. Men are stupid. Can I tell you something? I've never been on a stag night. Really? No. 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 Friends of mine didn't have them. Uh, now it's uh, an entire I mean, industry. No, never went on <laughs> Went down the pub with a few mates. Is that class? Is, you know, probably. Is that, that I'm probably talking about what it this. Was, yeah. I mean, I recognise it as a, a, a piece of sitcom, but I, I, I've never. Um, I've, I've oh, never... now they're epic five-day oh, adventures monk... and, and a few and cl- thousand pounds. Clogging up some of the more beautiful capitals well, in, yes, in, on the continent. Right. This is an absolutely superb one. Not that they aren't all. From Andrew Whitehurst, wearing famous clothes. Oh. And I thank you. We, we got this quite recently, and it's one, a subject we did many weeks ago, and that's what I encourage. Go back through that list and think, oh, I can have that. Hop on anywhere you like. Uh, here we go. Dearest Danny and Napoleon P. You've <laughs> got to get a T-shirt done with that. Oh, yes, please. Absolutely. Here we go. Some years ago, on a beautiful late spring morning, I had snuck out of work around lunchtime and headed to German Street in search of a summer hat. I ended up at Bates Hatters, then in their original shop near Piccadilly, full of Victorian oak frame glass cabinets where you were served by gentlemen of a similar vintage to the decor. <laughs> I had a couple of hats from Bates, so I had an idea of how the encounter would unfold. I have an unnecessarily large head. Unnecessary. I've got, I've got a big old sweet me. I've got a big old Mine's sweet. Mine's massive. Is it? Yes. I, I, again, deceptively, I've got a massive head. I've, I've got. Any, a, I can't borrow hats off anyone. They sit on me top neither. like a pimple no, on a rock I, bun, as like my nan would the, say. Um, <laughs> my brother-in-law Rod is the biggest head. He's got the head, you know, like in um, what's that Lionel Richie video where she makes a great big clay <laughs> version of yeah. it. He looks like the clay version of it. He's quite slight otherwise, but up there he's, he's got this kind of uh, Mardi Gras head going on, and it, it does bobble as he walks. <laughs> Huge, like Easter Island it is. Anyway, our correspondent has a similar thing. Mm, We feel this. I have an unnecessarily large head. And so once the old boy who was serving me had asked, and what size does Sir take? I replied, seven and five-eighths. I'd been fixed with the then by familiar, slightly sad gaze as he realised he was going to have to fetch the big stepladder to retrieve a dusty box of Bromdingnagian hats from the top shelf (laughs) at the very back. This is beautifully written, my friend, as they all are. (laughs) 
This delay meant I was idling when a very dapper gent shimmered into the shop and looked around for assistance. He was immaculately dressed, though without a hat, but under his arm he had a crumpled Sainsbury's bag for life, from which he pulled a very battered old hat box. This is, this is where it gets wonderful. I've just bought this at auction, he said to the other assistant. I wonder if you could provide some pointers as how I could best look after it. The assistant opened the hat box and produced a careworn but elegant black Homburg. For the benefit of younger listeners, a Homburg is a style of hat made popular by Sir Anthony Eden. Yes, that'll help the teenagers. <laughs> the assistant commented favourably on the quality of the hat. It, uh belonged to Orson Wells, the dapper gentleman said. Oh, that got my attention. I turned round and looked at him. Oh, uh, would you like to try it on, he asked. Would I? So I did. And I have to report that for a very big man, Orson Wells had a normal-sized head. At least he did above the brow line. This meant that the hat perched atop my dome, making me look a lot more like Stan Laurel than Charles Foster Kane. I may not have looked magnificent, but I can say I have at least attempted to wear a cinematic giant's hat. What a wow. story. Orson Welles' hat. Yes, please. Man alive. My, there's a book, and I, I say this to everybody here, there's only three of us, uh, but everybody listening, that brings the figure up to ten. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book called My Lunches with Orson. Shamefully, I can't remember the fellow who wrote it. It's a very good friend of his. It is one of the most explosively entertaining books you'll ever read. It came out about two years ago. It's called My Lunches with Orson. It is the most indiscreet... <laughs> oh, now oh, I'm in. It is, oh, now it is, I'm it is in. literally that. The fellow put a, used to put a... Pete, what's his name? He put, used to put a, a cassette recorder between the two of them and sit down with Orson Welles in the 80s. And he would say, uh, uh, I see, you know... Rita Hayworth's uh, husband later. Look, can I tell you something about? I'll tell you something about that guy, and I'll tell you something about Rita. And off he goes, because oh. you know she used to work for Old Man Zellick. Well, you've got to know this, and it's just page after page of the most mesmerising, wonderful, extraordinary, blue-tinged <laughs> gossip. It's called My Lunches with Orson. Orson, it's a hardback, but yes, it please. is. Please, please get it. Uh, and uh, you won't listen to the show anymore because you think nothing can live up to these stories. Where are we, Peps? We've got Ray on the line. Hey, Ray. Hello, Danny. Hey, Ray. Hey, uh, so, uh, 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 oh, it doesn't matter. We're so far behind, Ray. Don't hold us up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, good morning. What have you got for us? Um, it's uh, not knowing who you're speaking to. Oh, very Ooh. good. We just had a story about Orson Welles' hat. So th- th- this had better be Pressure's right. Pressure's on. It's got to follow that. Go on, Ray. Well, what what is it? It's fairly decent. I think you might like the, uh, the ending more than the actual story itself. I, I must say, I never, ever lose uh, faith and admiration for the audience's brio and vim. Go on, my friend. Um, OK, well, um, from 1990 to 1996, uh, mm. I was serving in the Royal Air Force. Well done. And I uh, joined up as a clerk. And uh, obviously, you know what happened in 1991? We had a war. Yeah, when you say you joined up as a clerk, uh, you were a clerk previously, were you? Uh, well, I was I was sort of doing uh, various IT and admin roles, and uh, jobs have been quite hard to find in Coventry, uh, which is where I'm from. But the, but the, but, the, uh, but the, just 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 because it's, well, I'm curious. Uh, so when you saw an advert, or did you think the Royal Navy? Did you go in to be I don't know a, a fighter pilot? And they said, nope, you've got all the makings <laughs> of a clerk. Was that it worked, or you applied for a clerk's <laughs> position? Well, originally I wanted to be an air cartographer, somebody that interpreted maps, uh, but my colour vision wasn't good enough. 
Oh, okay. So there you are. Take this quill and go and sit next to Cratchit over there. That's what they said. And well, funnily enough, it wasn't even my second choice. I actually wanted to be a data analyst, but they said I failed by half a percent, so I couldn't do that either. Oh, you said, let me look so at the data. Like Show me that data. I'll juggle the, I'll juggle the figures. Uh, so there it is. You're a, uh, an honest clerk in the uh, Royal Air Force. Go on, my friend. Yeah, so I've just come out of trade training, literally. Mm. I'm brand new to my unit. First, first station in the Air Force. Um, I've been there like uh, about a week. Yeah. And the uh, uh, place where I'm working, uh, the, the guy in charge doesn't like me because I, I'm supposed to have arrived a week before because they told me, oh, your station's not ready for you, you've got to do guard. Oh, so he, he, took, he, he took against you, he didn't, li- he didn't like you. Oh, he, he hated me from day one. I was joined with, I was uh, welcomed with very harsh swear words. Oh! Which oh, I can't that, say on the air. No, no. We, we, we encourage that. But uh, perhaps write this down, we'll do it as a subject. People who seem to hate you irrationally. <laughs> Uh, people who just took against you for reasons you can't fathom. Uh, yeah, well, when I rocked up on them, it was, where the bleak bleak were you last week? Yeah. And I was like, I was on guard. <laughs> I didn't know they wanted me. Well, it's, it's all right. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I worked for uh, three days uh, under the chap that was uh, I was replacing. Uh-huh. He taught me the job. Uh, and uh, then they left me on my own. I was supposed to have a week to learn the job. Uh-huh. Uh, and I had to learn the job in three days. I wasn't the world's greatest clerk either. So uh, You weren't. <laughs> Oh, okay. yeah, it wasn't your first choice. Uh, no. <laughs> I was I was already behind the eight balls basically. Yeah. Uh, so on on my first day uh, alone on that job, the first job, first thing I was bought, uh, nice flying officer came in and said, "I need you to uh, uh, do some fulfilment for me." Hmm. The good thing is the uh, guy taught me how to do this. I knew exactly what I was doing. He gave me the thing. It says um, I need you to send these various things out to Saudi for the war. Mm-hmm. First thing is. 10,000 body bags. Oh, my Lord. That's okay. They come in one size fits all, by the way. Did they really? And, and, and yeah. was it the first time you filled such a grim order? Well, this is my first day on my own in, in the real Air Force. And I'm like, OK, is this the, is this the job? Because this is a bit scary. It is, yeah, OK. Uh, and the other thing was uh, um, uh, 5 million litres of salmon pink paint, which we were going to use for camouflage. Salmon pink? Apparently it's really, salmon yeah, pink? salmon pink apparently is really good for desert camouflage. Let me think about that. <laughs> No, I can't spit peps. No, I, can, I, can, I mean, I've been in the desert. Well, if you ever see any of the um, pictures of the planes uh, during the war, you'll see some of them that's are what, actually yeah, pink. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was trying to remember what? that. The dunes are pink. No, the planes. Yeah. The planes are pink. So the, that when you're the above, it, they're blended in, I guess. But the dunes aren't pink. No, what? The desert, the only thing we know about the desert for sure is it's not pink. <laughs> Unless it's the, the lesser-known Laura Ashley desert over out there outside Finland. Are they salmon pink? Salmon pink, yeah. Okay, I, I, well, I, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, it's a strange one, but uh, oh, it apparently okay, it works. On. Yeah, OK, my yeah, friend. So, uh, I say, the, the, the chap had decided he didn't like me. He wanted to get rid of me as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, when you actually serve on a station, you've got two jobs. You've got your regular job, mm-hmm. and they'll give you a war roll, which is... Uh, Obviously, what you'll do when the balloon goes up, Andy and obviously Warrell. the balloon was going up. <laughs> yes. Uh, so my war role was uh, within the uh, primary war headquarters. The station I was on mm-hmm. was uh, RFI Wickham, mm-hmm. uh, which was Strike Command. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it's the administrative uh, heart of the Royal Air Force. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they said, okay, yeah, you're going to go and work in the primary war headquarters, which essentially is a nuclear bunker. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, I'm taking all, down all this from you uh, for, for a clock. All this, <laughs> yeah. For, okay, go on. 
Yeah, so I'm taken down for my birthday. Mm. Uh, I'm introduced to the uh, lovely uh, WRAF Corporal, uh, uh, and uh, I will say I'd like to thank her. Thank you, Rebecca Morris. You were very kind to me. Uh, and she taught me the job from the ground up. Because she asked me, what do you know? I was honest. I said I didn't know anything at all. She taught me the job from the ground up. Uh-huh. So basically, I'm uh, now a signals processing clerk. Uh-huh. My job is to book things in, uh, make sure they get distributed. Uh, we've got a big book that basically you do take all these codes from, and you... Uh... I, I, I should imagine, no, 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 I'm not asking any aspersions on your character, but I should imagine you could walk into any pub back home, sidle up to people and go, uh, how are you doing for salmon pink pint? Because I can get older, <laughs> I can get older plenty if, if you want to do indoors. Oh, I, I, probably I, could, I probably could have then, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a couple of tins Quite of salmon. Quite easily. Oh, so there it is, you've been trained up, uh, and uh, uh, go on. Yeah, so uh, so, so, uh, so we're... Uh, we're basically processing all the uh, information that's being sent out to the uh, Middle East because uh, mm-hmm. obviously the war, the war hadn't quite started yet. So, I mean, I, I started in, uh, it was late November. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously the war didn't start until February the following year. Uh-huh. So we're getting used to the job. Uh, we get moved out of this tiny, tiny office into a bigger office so where we can actually move and breathe and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, obviously it, it kicks off. Uh-huh. Now, uh, we're on shift. Uh, so we do a 15-hour night shift. Uh, we were actually on shift the night the war started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what would happen would be uh, there would be a live briefing between the people actually running the war. Uh, it's a room called the Battle Management Group or the BMG. There would be an air officer in there. Like, which is like, I, 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 I don't have to be honest with you. There's plenty of detail here. I need to know who this person is. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm coming to it. Don't worry. See, a clerk always looks at every figure along the thing. You're running, <laughs> and, and, and I get that. Break. I get that. But for us non-clerks, we'll trying... get that. We'll get that. Trust Go on. me. Go on. Okay, so uh, what what we're given is uh, various messages that sometimes you have to carry by hand yeah. uh, because they're super important. We're what we call oh. flash messages. Uh, so basically, it has to be taken to whoever it's addressed to within five minutes. No phone lines, it's... no no internet, no nothing. You take this. By oh yeah, hand. well this is all pre-internet. It's, it's right. 1991. The internet does not exist. All right. Let's say we, we've got uh, we've got printers, we've got fax machines. That's it. Okay. We're sort of like <laughs> there is no cutting edge technology. I, 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 I wish I hadn't interrupted now, but. So you've got it in your hand, you're moving towards your target. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the uh, signal I've got is actually personally addressed to the air commodore himself. Mm -hmm. Now, the rules of the the actual signals are, if it's a classified signal, the person with their name on it has to sign for it. Right. So I go down the corridor, and stationed outside the door is an RF policeman with a Mm. gun. And he's been given orders not to let anyone inside because they're having a live briefing. I don't know this. Okay. So I, I explained to the guy, yeah, I've got this flash message. It's got to go to the air commodore. He's got to sign for it himself. We're quite loud for about two, three minutes. Yeah. So the people inside send someone out to come and have a look. It's a uh, young flying officer. Mm. And he asks what's going on. I explain to him. I say, I've got a flash. And then I hear this voice from inside say, yeah, come in. No problem. He's allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. So the policeman has to step aside, let me in. So the room I've gone into is about 15 feet wide, about 30 feet long. You've got tables set out in a U. All the important people are sitting at the bop end of the U. And at the other end of the, t- uh, of the room is a big video screen, about 10 feet high, 10 feet wide. Uh-huh. 
I think they're watching CNN news. I don't realise what's going on because no. it's quite a dark room. I'm not really taking notice. All I'm looking at is the guy I'm delivering my signal to, the air commander. I've got to tell you, unless this story ends with the words David Bowie, I'm going <laughs> I'm, I'm to edit it down in there because I'm desperate to get onto who this person is. Go on, my friend. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. Yeah. So I go up, I give the air commander the signal, I explain, I'm sorry, sir, you know, you have to sign for it because it's personally for you. Yeah. He says, yeah, no problem. Then I hear this voice from behind me yeah. say, uh, uh, well done, son, well, to, well done, uh, you know, way to stick to your guns. Yeah. yeah, you've got to do your job. And then I turn around and I realise they're actually live to the field. And the chap on the screen is uh, General Sir Peter Delabillier. Right. The, the commander of the British Forces Middle East, the right. guy actually running the war on the other end. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it- and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realise I was interrupting a live briefing. R- live briefing. And, and, uh, from the head of war. From the head of war, she's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, guy, actually, the guy actually running the... Running the whole, he, running the whole shebang, yeah. and you're a clerk. He's literally only one step down from Carolyn Powell, like the guy running the, 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 the war on the other end for the Americans. Uh, uh, you know, and there you are. You're now forming a triumvirate of the people who are holding the world's fate in their hands. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I get my signature. I'm like, I apologise to him. I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry, sir, I did, didn't mean to interrupt. The only trouble is, like five minutes later, I had to go and do it again. Uh, and this, but this time, you, this time you're briefed and you know it. So you walk and say, "Oh yeah, they uh, yeah. they knew I was coming the second time, so he had to let me." In. Well, it's a, a beautifully told thing, and I'm mm. part of the treehouse. Uh, but if if I I, I get uh, the scissors into this and say and replace him with Orson Welles, I hope <laughs> I hope our correspondent will, because we've already heard about his hat. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, my friend. Thanks, that's, Ray. That, that's walking into a, uh, a hornet's nest. Let's all regroup. We'll do an advert and we'll come right back with the uh, maggot story. Don't go away. Also from something else. Mel Gedroich is quilting. Listen to Mel and good friend Andy Bush as they learn a great new skill and tell some brilliant stories all whilst having some good, wholesome fun. In a nutshell, I took a pair of scissors and I went into my husband's wardrobe. Now, this comes from a shirt that I bought him that I know he doesn't like. So I'm testing him by... Uh, uh, This is brilliant. Yeah, by finding out when he discovers that the shirt has got a big patch out of the back of it. Wow, and which area of the shirt is this taken from? Bottom right. Okay. (laughs) Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps. And we're back. Uh... So, uh, uh, our previous correspondent, uh, uh, a war veteran, by the way, mm. uh, uh, left left us on the edge of our seats with uh, his, his towel previously. But the emails are stacking up here, by the way, mm. uh, one after the other <laughs> after the other. Do, eh? I know, I know. No, you can <laughs> drop that pile, and but that's neither here nor there. But what we will do is some kind of catch-up show. Oh, nice. Yes, clear the deck. <laughs> be 23 hours long. <laughs> uh, uh, Vincenti Minnelli, right, mm. birthday while we're doing this, and I oh, okay. sometimes leave these uh, today, Vincenti. The only thing we know for sure about Vincenti Minnelli, his name wasn't Vincenti Minnelli. No. His name was Lester. 
Leicester. Did you I try know. to be more exotic? Leicester then? Anthony Minnelli was his name. Oh, so he, the Minnelli was real? Minnelli's, he's from the Minnelli family, Lester. but his name is Lester. Uh, d- d- oh, all right, he's a director, so he calls himself, you know, Vincenti, uh, but his name is Lester. L-E-S-T-E-R. Why pick a name that people mispronounced as well? Because he was Vincenti, he was Vincenti. Vinci- I mean, well, Vincenti's the, is, the proper it, Italian. Uh, the, the Judy Garland's husband was called Les. <laughs> Liza Minnelli is dead. He didn't mind Liza with a Z. It's Les with a L-E-S. <laughs> his name was Les. Oh, Les Minnelli. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you run an abadashes. Uh, old Les Minnelli. Uh, <laughs> Zero Mostello. You know Zero Mostello, of course. Zero Mostello. Uh, the original Tevier and, of course, the producers. Zero Mostello. I always thought, what a Zero his name was. Mm. His, actual, his actual name was Sam. Oh. Right, Sam. But his mum called him Zero because his schoolwork was so bad, that's what she said he was. No. His mum. His mum gave him the name of Zero uh, when he was Abuse a kid. Abuse now. And a Zero Mostello. Uh, anyway, so uh, welcome, everyone, on a day when uh, we record this when Led Zeppelin were forced to change their name for the only time in their career in Denmark in 69. Uh, the Zeppelin family got wind of the band and demanded they relinquish the name. This is oh. Yeah, they got in with a cease and desist. You cannot call yourself Zeppelin. So they played a series of gigs as the Nobs, N-O-B-S, uh, until they said, oh, you know, I hate to say it, but they said, crazy old bat, she's not going to see this through, and she didn't, and they went back to being Led Zeppelin. But the Zeppelin family tried to sue... Led Zeppelin for bringing their name into disrepute. Right, we're a clear of the adverts now. Uh, what you got over there, Peps? Uh, this is Stephen. Um, your recent entombed pigeon story reminded me of a chapter of my oh. life I'd not thought about for many years. If, if you haven't heard the, uh, the previous show, maybe the one before that, um, a pigeon died under our floorboards mm. and one morning opened the bedroom door to find uh, thousands of blue bottles crawling up the wall. Well, I'd say Stephen's, mm. Stephen has entitled the email Blue Bottles. Yeah. In 1990, freshman graduating from Croydon College, with a higher national diploma in something or other, I returned to my mother and stepfather's house to live a life of comparative luxury well, compared to student squalor I'd left behind. They had moved to temporary digs themselves as their new house needed a lot of building work. So we were staying in a house belonging to a relation of his. Anyway, as the summer progressed, I couldn't help but notice there were a lot of blue bottles. So I took up a new hobby to accompany my other two, brackets, reading music papers, smoking. Mm -hmm. This involved picking off the insects with a postman's rubber band. I got to be quite the marksman, several times taking them out of the air without even getting to my feet. (laughs) It awoke something in me. I would hear the buzz and snap into a flow state like some sort of assassin. I never stopped to question why there were so many blue bottles and why the number kept increasing. One day, barely dressed and in pursuit of an entire enemy squadron, the door opened. My stepfather's sister's husband strolled in. <laughs> we fr- say, that, say that again. My stepfather's sister's husband. Wow. We froze and regarded each other, neither knowing who the other was. It was his house, and I was his wife's brother's stepson. <laughs> we cleared that up quite quickly, but there were still questions. Why was I prancing around half naked with a load of rubber bands on my wrist? I explained sheepishly, and he relaxed. Ah, yes, he said. Sorry about that. That's my fault. Turns out, as a keen angler, he kept a Tupperware box of maggots in the fridge. Ah, and when moving out, okay. dropped the box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he scraped up what he could, but most fell between the floorboards, and he thought they'd simply die. No, you don't. Uh, uh, I had a very good friend. 
uh, Sebast, who, who did that with a bait box. And over the next few years, his mum's house was playing <laughs> with blue bottles, legging about. The, the thing he did there with the elastic bands, mm. uh, uh, another good friend of mine, Danny Hodges, was really good at that. Uh, he would do it with house flies and blue bottles. Really? Yeah, from quite a distance. He used to walk around in a, a pith helmet with a, a fly, skin, <laughs> fly skin hat band around it. He, uh. he would stake them all out. He could do that. Again, it's, before we had the internet, kids, yeah, you had to you fill your time. Your own, before Nintendo, you made your own amusement. Uh, this is from Maxine. Hey, Maxine. Uh, this is your parents' jobs and benefits of it otherwise. My mum worked in Sainsbury's, and we used to get the pick of the mystery tins that the label had come off for a couple of pence. I turned that into a game on TFI, if you remember. Only one episode. Mm. Uh, you uh, had to eat whatever you opened. No labels on it. It's a tremendous game to play. Sometimes, of course, it was pedigree chum, mm. and we didn't have a dog. Sometimes it, you'd open it and be peas. But sometimes, holy of holy, sometimes it was rice pudding. If my memory serves me correctly, she actually served up the chum to my dad as stewing steak. No. Yeah. Oh, it's happened. That's come on. Uh, that's, oh, that's come on. No. Uh, eating dog food is maybe, or, or indeed animal food, uh, maybe something we can explore on there uh, with the help of the audience. You know when you go to um, children's petting zoos, if they mm. still have them? Uh, yes, they do. Uh, when you go to petting zoos, and they have those little... Um, Vending machines, glass, yeah. and you put in a ten pence piece, and it oh, issues them. Is it? <laughs> and, and it issues you a handful of little um, grain and grain, things, grain yeah. and, and and things that uh, uh, little uh, pellets of soap. Have you ever taken a? Have you ever grazed upon those? No. You had a little yogurt. I'm telling you, it, it's it, they're delicious. There's a multi taste to them. Although if you do that. The goat looks at you with wild surmise. Hey, 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 hey. I, I got very close to eating my rabbit. Used, I used to get my rabbit's um, little cones of treats. Yeah. And there was something in there that looked distinctly like white chocolate, but I thought... Oh, no, an, animal nice. food is, is, is as stringent as, 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 as looked after as, as edible English food. <laughs> It is absolutely adult It food. has to be, doesn't it? There's some rule. It, it has, has to, to be. be edible, dog biscuits, yeah. uh, dog biscuits, very tasty. What do they taste of? Like, sort of ma- like of marrow. No, they, like, dog, dog biscuits. I would happily, like, or... like you did for the Smarties, I would happily eat dog biscuits here. The black ones used to be charcoal y. Uh, it's probably quite good for you. But they're the big old winner lot ones. But mm. anyway, I don't, we haven't got time to keep talking about uh, eating animal food here. I want to bring you this. This is a belter before we go to the call. This oh, okay. is a belter. Uh, who's waiting on the line? Who is on the line for us? Gareth. Hey, Gareth. Hello. Hello, Gareth. Just wait there a second. You can join in if you want. I'm just going to read this, <laughs> and then we'll be right with you. This, this is from uh, okay. uh, this is from Michael Mickey. Uh, this is being locked out. This, this is an absolute pip, by the way. This is an absolute pip being locked out. I live on the sixth floor, and one summer there was scaffolding up one side of my block, even though the windows do spin all the way over so you can clean the outsides. I thought it was a good idea to get out on the scaffold and clean them. Oh. And that's a good thing to do. So there I was, six floors up with my bucket of soapy water and a squeegee, when I heard a click. Oh, OK. The window had closed and I was outside in just a T-shirt, shorts and flip-flops. No keys, no money, no phone. I banged on next door's window. Nobody in. So I had to clamber down to the bottom. I then had to flip-flop round to a cab office to get a cab to my mum's who had a spare key, hoping she was in because I also needed money to pay for the cab. Fortunately, she was. 
I borrowed the money, I got the keys, got back home, but could not open the front door because I'd locked it from the inside. Bill, so far, it was £40. The bill was £40 and me no better off than I was before. I then walked to the police station nearby for assistance, but they were shut. So I carried on to ask an acquaintance some streets away for guidance. He called a locksmith, who came with a combination of tools through the letterbox and experienced, was able to unlock the door from the inside, so I could then open it with the key. His bill was £127. So, after almost five hours, I finally got back in, £167 poorer, and the windows still needed cleaning. What a story. Uh, uh, Gareth, I know your story's going to be good, but the pressure's on, my old friend. Uh, What have you got for us? Hi, Dan. Yeah, I think it might be now. Um, it was to do with middle names, which mm. we were talking about a few weeks yes, ago. Yes, we were. Um, so I, I'm from South Wales, and we, we enjoy a, a few middle names down there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so uh, I've got two middle names, Philip and, and Jones. Philip um, Phil- Jones? And... Your name is Jones in a yeah, middle Phil- name? James. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm Gareth Philip Jones. Williams. Jones? Oh, OK. I'm just saying. Forgive me here. Your, your name is Gareth Philip Jones Williams. Did, That's right. Did you mention you're from Wales? Because there, there seems to be a few, <laughs> I know. few pointers there. OK, my friend, Gareth Philip Jones Williams, yes. How did, so, it, how uh, did that happen? A, yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I asked my dad where these, these names came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the Jones one wasn't actually very interesting. It's just my, my grandfather's middle name, who died a, a few months before I was born. So. Mm. I was given Jones to, to carry that one on, like mm-hmm. many, many folk from around my way. Uh-huh. Um, but the Philip one was from my grandfather's brother, my, my great uncle. Uh-huh. And he apparently, according to my dad, had died during the North African campaign of the Second World War. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, my, my father didn't didn't know him, but they felt it was appropriate to uh, to give me the, the Philip uh, yeah. from from him. Yeah. So, as a, as a kind of callow youth as I was, I thought that was quite quite interesting that a, a family member had died during the Second World War, mm-hmm. and, um, and and tried to find out as much as I could about you know what was what happened in in North Africa and, and the battles and such. Mm-hmm. So um, so I did spend quite a bit. So this is before the internet. So. A bit of time in the library reading up on all of the the, the goings and, and toings from from the war, and started imagining what you know Uncle Phil would have been been doing out there. Uh-huh. You know, with him, he was a, okay, like a you, tank you, commander. You, you, at, yeah, you you you've said you in your own steam. You want to know who this hero is, uh, uh, and, and what did you find out? Well, nothing about Uncle Phil himself. He wasn't he wasn't mentioned anywhere. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I did become kind of fascinated with with the war itself and and what had gone on. So yeah, I, I started making up my own little stories ah. of what what he ah. might have done. Good man. Um, uh-huh. So as I as I got a bit older, I started to uh, embellish these with uh, with quite a bit of you know fruitiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and and would would convey these stories to people when when the the subject of, of where your middle name came up from. So, so if, if I said to you, uh, so actual... if I said to you, this this Philip, what do you know about him? What kind of things were you saying? Oh, I would have said that you know he was uh, he was actually chess partners with with Monty, ah. and uh, <laughs> they used to discuss tactics late into the night. You know, sat in a, a tent in the desert, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh right, okay. Mm-hmm. You went you went full on. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, he was also a, um, you know, a flying ace who sat, sh- sat shot down Messerschmitts and, you know, the full... The <laughs> this is who you're named after, Philip. OK. Uh, and, uh, uh, did, did, you ever, did you ever come unstuck? Well, I did, yeah. Um, it, uh, it was a few years, uh, a few years ago I, t- I took um, a girlfriend I had at the time home to meet, uh, to meet the family. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, took them to see mum and dad, and, and that went very well. And then I took her to see my grandmother, mm-hmm. um, who was effectively the sister-in-law of Uncle Philip, although she, she'd never met him. He died before yeah. uh, she met my, my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we were having a cup of tea with uh, my girlfriend and, and my grandmother. And, and the subject of middle names came up. And uh, so we were chatting away, and, and my grandmother went to explain where, where my middle name came from. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd, al- I'd already explained to my girlfriend where the Philip was from, with, yeah. with again, some he, 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 story about him being a... He wiped out an entire battalion with a, a Gurkha's <laughs> knife between his teeth, and, uh, and, in, and in Germany he was known as, you know, uh, the, the wind of death and all this. She'd built it right up, I take it. Yeah, the, the, the bane of the Wehrmacht, I think, was, was, was his, uh, his title, as I, as I remember. Um, so, so she'd uh, she'd regaled my grandmother with this with this story, and, and as she's getting into the you know the fruitier details of his wrestling match with Rommel and, and whatever else I'd, I'd, I'd come up with, um, my grandmother started giving me the you know the real skunk eye. She was uh, huh. she was not seemingly pleased with this tale whatsoever because she knew what happened to um, Great Uncle Philip. Go on. And uh, so, so when when my girlfriend stopped speaking, she um, she said, "Well, well, actually, no, that's that's not what happened at all. Your, your, your grandfather didn't Uh-oh. die. Uh, your your great uncle didn't die in, in the Second World War." And I said, "But but surely, but Dad, had, you know, Dad had said that that uh, that he died during the North Africa campaign." Mm-hmm. And she said, "Well, he did ship out to Egypt, but on the day he landed, he actually got drunk and was." Caught cheating at cards in a bar in Cairo oh. and was stabbed by one of the locals. Oh no! <laughs> in a, oh, uh, he was che- cheating at cards. That, <laughs> yeah. That's it. And, so, oh. and this is who you're named after. This uh, this Mississippi Jack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly so. Yeah. Do you know what? I find that rather dashing. I know it's a terrible, terrible thing. It is, but I find that rather dashing. If, 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 yeah, if, I sort of prefer that one. Now. You could have, you could have saved yourself a lot of time by saying, "I'm named after a fellow called Philip, the British Army, first day out there, cheating cards, <laughs> killed by a local." That's actually not so bad, my friend. Uh, the Jones one, I, I'll let you go. But I would now, from now on, go by the name of Phil if I were you. I was Snake Eyes <laughs> Phil, always. Well, bless you, my friend. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, that was the other week when you were saying notable reasons you have a second name. What's the matter? Why? I, it just tickled me that he was given the Jones to keep. The name going when there's really no risk of the name Jones dying out. There folks. really wasn't. No, there wasn't. Ah. There was. <laughs> I had no idea it could be. If you don't it? carry that Jones in your middle name, that that could that could die out. You know. Speaking of which, we've got Huel in here, uh, and it's it, yes, it's that one you're thinking of. Uh, this has been sent by Dominic. It's about beds, notable beds you've laid on. Ooh. Not a bed I've slept on. It's a mate who in the sixties was a hippie and it still is. Oh, he was staying at some pile in Oxfordshire. And while he was there, there was lots of noise coming from a man and woman in the bedroom above, climaxing, quite literally, with loud shrieking from the lady. It was Princess Margaret and Roddy Llewellyn. You're quite right to make that face, Babs. 
He's got loads more from the days of running clubs and bars worldwide. He's also part of the production team on the Beatles' Ron, <laughs> Ron Howard movie about the Beatles. He was in the Great British Olympic slalom team at one time and held the record for the 100-yard dash at Shrewsbury College. In his lifetime, he smoked more dope than George Michael at his peak. Hoovered up more Colombian than the whole of Tramp's nightclub. He's 81, still going strong. But the story he likes best is that night and upstairs. Wasn't that something? How about Wowzers. that? Wowzers! Yeah. I mean, can we trust his word? I'm starting to think, you know, a slalom champion and... <laughs> yeah, no, all of that, yes, exactly, after the previous call. So, uh, Margaret, upstairs. I mean, you know, you're entitled to that, that sort of thing. She wasn't known as a shrinking violet. I mean, let's be honest. The, the book, of course, you've read. Uh, no, I, I, I bought it this week. <sighs> Mom, darling. Nine, that, yeah, Mom, yeah, darling. 99 yeah. Glimpses of Princess Margaret. Yeah, a beautiful I bought concept. it this week. Uh, Bizarrely. Uh, one of the great stories in it, if I might, I know we've got to finish. I know one of the great stories in it uh, is um, Protocol. And she was both, by turn, magnificent and a reason we should not have a monarchy. I mean, it's just, it's, it's that everyone knows that she epitomised that. Uh, and one of the things she insisted on, at times, uh, she lived that very uncouth life with uh, that she had the flat down in Rotherhide that she would try to run away to anyway. But other times she would use the full weight of what used to be mm. royal privilege, including nobody could sit down to eat until she sat down to eat, no matter how big the gathering. And you know who brought that to an end? George Harrison. Oh, how th- lovely. Uh, they were at a function, I think it was after Hard Day's Night when it was this massive function, and uh, everyone was gathered at it and waiting to sit down, and she didn't turn up for an hour and a half. And then when she did t- uh, turn up, went working and walked around the room with her friends, showing no sign that the food could be served. And George Harrison walked over and said, Excuse me, Mum, would you mind sitting down to eat? We're all starving. And the staff all went... <gasps> and then she looked at him and thought... I like that. Yeah. Okay, let's oh. do that. It, it, it's that's just one of the stories in the book, but I'm sure many, many of you listening have read that. How are we doing on time? Because I know we had the call in the middle that ended up uh, quite a bit of it. Uh, okay. Uh, one done. more. We got one more over there, Pep. So what do you want to do? Shall I do? Um, oh, I'll do a very little one. Okay. This is from Ali. Mm-hmm. The toilet rolls at my work have no numbers inside <laughs> them. <laughs> Are they snide? <laughs> they are. Do I report the housekeeping department? There must be. One of the few things my world is based on is the idea that inside toilet rolls there are mysterious numbers. That's What's uh... strange is the one you brought in... Oh, it's still here? Yeah, the one I brought in, yeah. That has quite a long number on it with letters in it as well. Yeah. My ones at home literally just have four numbers in, but someone on Twitter had a date on theirs. It was like it was the toilet roll's birthday. No. It was literally like the 19th of the 12th, 2019. But what so is going on? you got to celebrate on? it this what year. Is, but what, <laughs> what is going on? I ah. mean, I, I, if anyone could make those numbers into letters or maybe there's messages, we don't know. But that was very much on the last programme. But in the meantime... One, two, three, four. Climb up, go in, let's cozy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away. In the treehouse. The fire's on, it's warm inside. We guarantee you'll be satisfied as we laugh the day away. In the treehouse. Take it away, Daddy. 
Always do, Wisby. Elaine, sorry, yours was going to be next about unlikely records your parents like. But that's been uh, Louise Pepper on the other side of the table. Uh, Philip Walding and Josh through the glass on behalf of something else who give us this platform. But as always, chiefly yourselves. Thank you for each and every one of the correspondence we have. See you Wednesday. Next time on The Treehouse, people who hate you irrationally. This tastes funny. And the world's worst secret keeper. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. I'll, I'll do once more, Pep. Sorry, I was miles away then. <laughs> oh, don't matter, does it? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.